Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hello, Miss SJ. How are you? Um, That's a shitty opening. I don't want to open it like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. How about you? How about you ask me how I am? How are you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to how I'm doing. So you started a Patreon. Yeah, I started a Patreon. Now, what what is a Patreon? I feel like most people who are here will already know what this is, but a Patreon is kind of like an ongoing Kickstarter. So you can make usually small donations to artists, creatives, people who make stuff that you like. Usually it's every month or it's everything that they make. I think Patreon as a website are trying to push people towards thing that they make, but I think the monthly system is so much better. Oh, really? Yeah, I just think it's, I think it's better for people who are supporting. I think it's better for people who are being supported. The only reason I like the month, the, the per thing thing, the per thing thing is when it's someone who only releases stuff every like two or three months. Yeah. Because then you're yeah. not charging people for months when you're not necessarily doing anything. Yeah, totally. So the other thing that's intimidating about the per thing thing is that people are like, well, if I'm like supporting you at $5 per thing, what if you make 17 things in a month? But you can put a cap on how much you pledge per month. So you can be like, I think I'm signed up to Amanda Palmer's and I think I'm pledged, I'm pledged the smallest amount. I think it's a dollar per thing, but I think there's a cap of $10. But she puts out a thing like every month. But she's also in a position where you want to be making a thing because she's getting like $32,000 for everything. Well, that's it. I think it, as a creative, it puts this weird pressure on you to define your work in a way that I don't find particularly interesting or useful. So if you were CGP Grey, who is a YouTube creator, he makes YouTube videos explaining concepts and he might make one on the history of the English royal family that goes for like five, six minutes. He might make one on, I'm trying to think of the topics he's covered, uh, on the difference between England and the UK and Britain, Great Britain, which goes for three minutes. And he might make one on the history of the Americas that goes for 10 minutes. But like, he's saying that those, I mean, first of all, you got the question of whether those are all equally valuable because the one that takes 10 minutes is going to take him three and a half times as long as the one that takes three minutes. And you're saying a dollar per thing per video, then he's really strongly incentivized to make smaller videos, which is not necessarily better. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, I, I don't like that to begin with. As well as that, I have a Patreon. I've made a living off Patreon for almost two years now. Um, it's a writing Patreon. I charge per month, and I make the majority of my income from that. Not the plurality, but definitely the majority. And I don't know if I use those terms correctly. <laughs> I've, I've... I was just thinking, what does plurality mean? My understanding is that majority, like just say you, I, and four other people are voting. We both vote for something and everyone else votes for a different thing. We have the majority vote in that, like we both voted for the thing that the most people voted for, but we don't have the plurality in that more than 50% of people didn't. I don't think that's right at all, but that's how I was using the terms. <laughs> well, if you want to know if that is right, you should just check the show notes where I will have corrected... <laughs> Peter. Who, who, will have, who will have done the show notes? Oh, yeah, you will have done the show notes. Oh, right, cool. Uh, we've switched roles. So you will have corrected yourself. <laughs> and so I make... I don't make... Oh, fuck, I don't know how these terms work. I don't make more than 50% of my income from Patreon, but I make more from Patreon than any other single source. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do it monthly because I write a bunch, but, like, when I do an update, I will generally have between four and ten stories that I've been working on, four and ten different chapters. And if I was doing it per thing, would I charge per chapter? Would I charge per completed work? Because I have a work that's been going on for... I've just hit, like, chapter 34, and I've got stuff that only lasts for one chapter. 
And so to have to like discreetly be like, what qualifies a thing is really weird, especially because some of my updates are just like, hey, look, I spent the whole week redrafting these three tails. All the typos are gone. It's more consistent. Like it, the, the heat is hotter. I write port for a living. Uh, the heat is better. It's sexier. It is just a better story. But like, I didn't make a new thing. Yeah. It's why uh, I follow Amanda Palmer's Patreon and she is th- per thing. And it's interesting because she actually asks, you know, she's like, look, guys, I make this thing. Do you guys mind if I, she calls it, do you mind if I thing this thing? Right. And I think that's a really, like, that's fine, but it's a fucking awkward position to be in and one that I don't like. (laughs) I think songwriters is the best because per thing should be either per music video or per song. And I think those are both really easy to define. I mean, one of the biggest, most successful Patreons is by, uh... They started out on YouTube. Um, uh, Is it Justin Bieber? No, they're an acapella singing group called Pentatonics. You will probably have seen their videos. But I think on Patreon they get like $25,000. Per thing or per, per month? I'm not sure if it's per thing or per month. But, yeah, I, it must be per thing. Uh, they are, wow, so successful. The downside of doing it per month like I do and now you do is that there is this pressure to release but i sort of see that as a good thing like that is definitely a double-edged sword in some ways but uh the best post on the internet is a wait but why post called the procrastination matrix the best post on the internet it flat out is it is the best post ever written i gotta say it's after i read it i uh like couldn't sleep at all i was (laughs) you actually sent that post to me when we only had just started talking again? That post changed my life more than any piece of writing I've ever encountered. Yeah, and so you sent it to me, but I didn't want to show my vulnerability. Like, I didn't want to be like, yeah, you're right, I am really bad at procrastination. So I had quite a big emotional experience. I don't think I properly told you <laughs> how much, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know if it's that post or it's one of the related ones, but he talks about the different types of procrastinators. And one of them is the successinator who is someone who would procrastinate. However, they manage to get stuff done because they have an audience who is waiting on them for things. And that is really very much where my Patreon has landed me. I would be procrastinating from writing all the time, except for I now have like this money coming in every month. So I need to deliver stuff every month. And that makes me be like, I cannot procrastinate from writing anymore. I need to sit down and write. Like after we finish recording this podcast, I'm going to sit down and write probably like six to 10,000 words because it's really close to the end of the month and I need to get something out there. Yeah, I mean, I find that terrifying. And we, we talked about this in the warm-up for this episode, but... Uh... For, for those who, who might not know, uh, we have a mailing list. You can subscribe at beinghonestwithmax.com. And when you subscribe to the mailing list, every episode before we record, we do a little warm-up. And we put that on as, as a mailing list exclusive. So that'll be out in on Wednesday, and you can download that there. That that warm-up was actually really good. I forgot that it was a warm-up. And I was like, <laughs> is this a podcast or a warm-up? Um... <laughs> not, not that the other but... warm-ups aren't really good. And this is going to be after the fact, but... I, you know, I started that Patreon, particularly because you were like poking me to do it. You're like, do it, do it, do it. I gave you a deadline. You got it done three three weeks after the deadline, but you did get it done. 17 days. That's not quite three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I got it done 17 days after my deadline. And I have been doing, I've been thinking about doing a Patreon uh, for like six months or something. Since probably a bit oh. after this podcast started, I think. Yeah. I talked about it on one episode, one of the early episodes. And it was just, it was a really uncomfortable experience making the page. And um, I didn't expect for it to be really successful. So let's, let's talk about that. So you have made a Patreon now. Yes. And I predicted that based on your current level of audience and based on, you know, all the different things that I know about crowdfunding, that you would get probably about $300 a month. That was my guess. Oh, really? Because you said, you said $100. I thought, I thought within a month you'd get about $300 a month. Oh, okay. Huh. I thought in the first week you might get up to 100 and then it would slowly grow. Uh, But my, my guess was that it would tap out about $300 a month. And then slowly grow over time sure you, it's been up for seven days it's been up for a week now it's been up for one week yes uh what are you at let me check i'm at 750 dollars a month and that is higher than i was expecting <laughs> it is way higher than you're expecting i yeah i was expecting 100 dollars, so i was like what the fuck 
yeah holy shit i did a crowdfunding campaign earlier this year for a card game called scuttle which had a three thousand dollar goal because i was fairly sure i'd be able to hit three thousand i wanted to make this so i could launch my board game company and have my second game be like look i did this first game i made it i delivered it It was a real game that you can play i'm not a scam artist this is a proper company that makes proper games so i set my goal at three thousand because i was fairly sure i'd accomplish that secretly in the back of my head i knew i would land somewhere between like seven and twelve thousand dollars i guessed eight thousand i optimistically guessed twelve thousand yeah right okay that that was my expected numbers and that was what i thought i would get that campaign made eighty seven thousand dollars which is a stupid amount of money bewildering and insane like i sometimes forget about that because i don't pay myself from that at all like that has all gone into the company into making stuff i forget that that money is a thing that happened and that is yeah that is a crazy number Oh god, it sounds like I'm I'm saying this to diminish yours. I'm not at all. I'm saying like Oh, no, 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 no. I I don't take that at all. And that's not. So yeah, yours watching yours, my little brother texted me. I have a little brother called Xander, we're very close. He texted me saying, "It has been amazing watching SJ's Patreon rise." Like Oh, really? It's been so much fun watching it grow and grow because 700 dollars a month is crazy. Like we did a whole episode talking about this idea of if you were trying to creatively make make a living, how much would you need to live on? You've hit that number. <laughs> yeah. It's um, one thing I find weird talking about this in public is um, like, I don't know how to properly express the feelings. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Good. Yes. <laughs> Every tear is another dollar per month. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, I wrote a post about it that you can see on, like it's the first. Um, first public post. Yeah, first public post, and there's a gif of me dancing like a dickhead. And that kind of expresses a lot. Should I read a tiny bit of it? Do you want me to read it? How about I read it? Okay, you read it. Like, I find it really awkward to talk about in some ways because I feel so... I feel so grateful. And, um, I mean, of course there's a bit of me that's like, I don't deserve this. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, That's just like a really... It's really weird experience. Also, there's this thing now, which is awkward, which is, it's so awkward that I don't even know that I can talk about it, which is just like we talked about. Is this that you're pregnant? Um, yeah, actually. I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> because I thought I was, it was going to be quite tangential and you <laughs> nailed it. So I'm pregnant. <laughs> Imagine if you actually were pregnant. This is how I learned about it. <laughs> Pregnant with gratitude. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit of the post. I've been making art for the past eight years, and I've never really expected, despite my efforts, to be able to do it as my real job, capitalised. I've always done it because it genuinely keeps me sane and because it makes my life meaningful and hopefully other people's. Thus, I have never really considered myself a real artist, capitalised. I've always just thought of myself as a person that does things that make sense to me like create a pseudoscience social research center or make a film from inside a psych hospital. I always realized that these activities were not going to get me the big bucks or many bucks at all, really. I did them because I'm interested in how we can be in the world and putting myself into often ridiculous slash vulnerable situations to convince myself and hopefully others that there are more options for who and how we are than we might think. So to have been putting myself out there for years and to have it come back in spades through something like Patreon, that isn't just about money. That's about completely rethinking what I do and who I think I am. I've made a habit of trying to show the world my most authentic, vulnerable, afraid and timid bits and to be afraid in these in this ways for being so makes me feel odd. I know this feels, feels cliche, but it makes me feel loved for who I am. It's that kind of old, old friend love from that person who's seen all the ugly bits of you and not only says you're okay, but I support you for being who you are and I want you to be more of you. P.S. I'm pregnant. Yeah, that's where I made the announcement. <laughs> uh, I really like that post. I thought that was good. Yeah, because I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect uh, it to make me think about what I do in such a different way. And, um, yeah, I put up a post about how I was... On my actual birthday, I was walking down the street. Oh, my God, I just missed a train and a tram. And it take it took me, like, three hours to get home from work. And I was so tired and very emotional and... Yeah, I put myself out there a, a lot and I think just the possibility of being able to do that as my job 
was like, oh, wow, like I'm doing the right thing. And it's sort of this external affirmation that the path you've been going down is going somewhere. Yeah. And that's like how I, how I think about myself and what I do and, and changing that and being like, yeah, like I'm a real person that does like meaningful stuff. Isn't it like, isn't it weird? I'm sorry to interrupt your crying, but I have a thought. (laughs) Please interrupt my crying. Isn't it weird that you get emails every day? I man the email that is associated with this podcast. So I see how many emails we get about that. And I know that you get a lot of emails separate to that as well. And that should be tangible proof that your work matters. Like we get emails all the time of people being like, Hey, this shit really affects me. Like you guys are being very honest. You are sharing stuff that makes me feel less alone. You're changing the way that I look at the world. Like those emails are so meaningful and I know that as a podcast, we get a lot of them. I can't even imagine how many you get personally. I get more emails than I can reply to <laughs> in a timely fashion. <laughs> Yet the thing that makes it feel like you are making a difference is money. Like, isn't that weird? No, that's not the thing that makes me feel like I'm making a difference. Okay. Actually, I, like I, I feel like I'm like, I do feel like I'm already sort of doing that and I do feel really appreciative of how much people just like hand me their heart back if that makes sense yeah oh yeah I'm not I'm not trying to diminish those emails or anything like that no 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 I just mean like I already feel like I'm I I already feel like what I'm doing makes what I'm doing makes sense to me and having people I I already know that it makes sense to other people (sighs) but I feel weird about this but and maybe this just goes back to <laughs> all of my early teenage insecurities. But I wrote in that post about how, like, there's this element of being able to be like, yeah, dad, like, I, I do real things, dad. And it, that's, dad, I mean, like, dad in the, like... As in God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dad as in dog. I mean it as in my dog. Who is called dad. <laughs> It's really not a, not a good name for a dog. No, I mean it in this, like, parental way, but also in this, like, the, the, like, the people that I went to high school with who might not understand what I'm doing, not because there's anything wrong, you know, just because... It makes it real. There's, like, most of what I do doesn't make sense in a mainstream way, but m- money makes sense to pretty much everyone. And so it's not, like... Uh, I, I'm a big artist who makes lots of money. I mean, clearly that's not, <laughs> clearly <laughs> that's not what's happening. But that is something that makes sense to people as like, oh, you are a real person. You're a professional who does that. And I just, re- I just, yeah, it just made me go like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm real. I had a birthday party with my sister last week and there was people who... Um, like I haven't seen in a long time who maybe were from high school and stuff like that. And I always feel terrified seeing those people hanging out with them because like, I just don't feel like I have, I feel like I can't explain what I do. I can't explain myself and that I've avoided a lot of situations for that. And I think a lot of people who, you know, they might have a job, but what they do is creative, like have that divide and like have this like feeling of like a lack of social capital or a lack of an ability to explain themselves and I found ways of explaining myself I I genuinely have a a kind of like speech in my head of like what I tell different people about what I do so that I know what to say when I'm asked that question but yeah I yeah I talked about in that post in terms of like becoming real and yeah that's so what what you're trying to say is that now you're just in it for the money. <laughs> that you uh, uh, yeah fuck bitches get money. <laughs> you're just going to start making up vulnerabilities because that's clearly the path to success. And uh, <laughs> so stay tuned, guys, for stories of um, SJ's run-ins with the law, uh, <laughs> the three ex-husbands, and uh, a new podcast. <laughs> 
which is uh, meeting up with my birth mother because SJ was adopted (laughs) and she just found her birth mother and they're going to reconnect through a podcast. So look forward to that. I have thought about that before about like what happens when I, no, what happens when I run out of like content or like what happens (laughs) if I become like, what happens if I do become the person that I would like to be, which is the person who is just fluid and with their experience of the world and less afraid yeah less afraid and shameful like does that mean that what i make gets worse gets worse okay first of all as someone who knows you pretty well you're never gonna like run out of vulnerabilities (laughs) (laughs) there there is no situation which you won't find something to be very scary and stressful so there will be infinite content there is an idea a concept a, a theory that the age at which you become famous is the age at which you stop growing as a person oh right yeah and so that's a big reason a lot of people not think that, but like that is one of the theories as to why child actors so often struggle as they get older. Because when you are famous, you are people don't say no to you. People just don't. Yeah, I was gonna say people people don't challenge you, right? And and not only that, but also people want stuff from you. So it's not yeah. only that they're, that they're not saying no, but like you will, it's very easy to surround yourself with people who want to be in your good books, who want to suck up to you, who want to tell you what you want to hear. And this is this is very well known and obvious, but adversity is what shapes you as a person. Uh, there's a movie called Little Miss Sunshine with Steve Carell and a bunch of other fantastic actors, and the best part of that film is this speech that Steve Carell is, is making. He's talking to his nephew, who has just discovered that he's colorblind. He can never be a fighter pilot, which is all he's ever wanted to do. Ever, ever, ever. And he's just talking about how much high school sucks, basically. And Steve Carell's character is an expert on... Oh, fuck, I can't remember. One of, like, a famous writer. He's, like, the world... Isn't he a philosopher or something? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly who. But he's talking about, like... He's talking about one guy... One thing that this writer, who's a, a expert in, said, is that when he looked back at his life all of the happy years were sort of yeah. the wasted years. Like, the the years where he struggled, the years where he was miserable, the years where he was constantly facing adversity, those were the things that made him improve and grow and get better. The years where he was happy, he didn't get anything out of. And that that's not a perfect philosophy because it devalues happiness as an inherently good thing. But that is part of, like, that, that lends itself into this theory of, like, the years, the, the time you become famous is when you stop growing. And so Kevin Smith is a filmmaker who made Clerks and Mallrats and Dogma and a bunch of other films. And then he made, like, he made Clerks when he was 24 and it became an international success. He made Clerks 2 10 years later when he was 34. And it's set in a fast food restaurant. And it's yeah. like, the, the first one is set in a convenience store, which is where Kevin Smith actually works. And it's a really good like movie about that. Second one's set a fast food restaurant. And I was listening to this great movie review podcast called The Canon, C-A-N-O-N, The Canon. And they were talking about how that movie, the sequel to Clerks, should be them in white-collar jobs. That should be them as, like, desk jockeys being absolutely miserable because the first one is about them having a shitty job being miserable. That makes sense when you're 24. When you're 34, uh, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make as much sense for your shitty job where you're miserable to be at a fast food restaurant. That makes sense for a 24-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason that's what it is is because that was the year that Kevin Smith got famous and that's when he stopped, you know... He's still 24 in some ways because since then, I'm not saying he's never had struggles, he's never had happiness, he's never had adversity, adversary, adversity, he's never had adversity, but that is a really interesting theory. Well, has Kevin Smith worked, like being, you know, in his 30s and working a white collar job? No, he, he, like he, he was a famous director. <laughs> uh, and so he wasn't able to draw on that experience, which is why the sequel, like, I love Clerks 2. And the moment I heard that, I was like, oh, it's just wrong. Like, it is just flat out incorrect for that movie to be set in a fast food restaurant instead of in an office. There's a really great podcast that I listen to. It's by Jessica Abel, who makes really fantastic content about working creatively. She made a book about podcasting, uh, but she also made a podcast... About books? (laughs) No, she made a podcast about the book. But she got to interview, like, (laughs) Ira Glass... And stuff. It's called Out on the Wire, and I haven't listened to it all, but there's a really great episode called The Dark Forest, which is about. This isn't specifically about adversity, but it's about 
the creative process and the moment where you get into a project and you just are like, I cannot do this. Oh, no. The wall. And about the, the growth that comes out of that process. Although one guy was talking about how he said he thought it was the best piece of work that he'd made to date this one particular podcast episode that I think was for Radiolab. But he suffered, like he experienced crippling anxiety and anxiety attacks for months after the episode. Why? Just because the process of making that piece of work, I don't know, it seemed like it broke him in some way. That sounds awful. I don't want to say broke him. I don't know. It just was so stressful. One of the things that people are most weirded out by with me slash admire is my like 100% conviction that I am going to be successful in my chosen field. Yeah. That just weirds me out. You're just like absolutely convinced that it will work, it being your life. And I haven't talked about this in a while, so I don't know if this is still true, but when we were going out, you were like, I'm going to be a millionaire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like that is so obviously a fact to me that I didn't even think of that as one of the things that people find weird. Do you still think that? Oh, yeah. It's just a fact. Like (laughs) You still feel that way, huh? I'm obviously going to be a millionaire. That is that is very like that is one of the smallest ambitions that I have. Wait on, wait on, wait on. What? You're obviously gonna be a millionaire. Like I I know many, many, many people who are millionaires. That's not super hard to achieve. What is a millionaire? I mean like what does that look like? Anyone who has more than a million dollars worth of property and, and money. Of assets. <sighs> yeah, okay. Like that that is one of my smaller goals. Wait on, wait on, wait on, wait on. Okay. What's in, what's one of, like, what's your biggest goal? My biggest goal... That you, that you believe that will happen. Like, will definitely happen? You can give me a percentage. Like, I'd be willing to look in, look at anything over 80%. <laughs> um, I think I will definitely be a player in Hollywood. Like, as in someone who, like... Like Kev- Kevin Smith has sex level. with lots of women and <laughs> yeah, like that's what manipulates I mean, yes. them emotionally. That's the plan, hopefully. Uh, like a, a Kevin Kevin Smith level of fame, I am fairly confident I will achieve. A Kevin Smith level of fame. Yeah. Just wait. Just let me check on the uh, very the most verifiable uh, way of assessing um, fame by uh, looking at his Twitter account. <laughs> okay, so he's got. 2.97 million followers. Oh, right. Okay. I thought it was going to be way higher than that. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. How high did you think it was going to be? Uh, 10 to 20. You think that you're going to have 10 to 20 million followers? <laughs> I don't know if Twitter will... Like, first of all, if, if Twitter had been around when Kevin Smith launched, I think he would definitely have more. Okay. Tw- Twitter sure. came out when his career was, was almost over. Okay. In that, like, he hasn't had a, a hit film since... Uh, Clerks 2, I guess. Cop Out was sort of a hit, but like Clerks 2 was the last one that people really liked. How many does Amanda Baham have? 1.14 million. Okay, I thought that was going to... Oh, no, that, that, that makes sense, yes. Um, okay, I'm going to say Amanda Palmer is like the bare minimum of what I expect to, to hit. 1 million followers. Yeah, like that doesn't seem like that many to me. Um, that seems like an... In- that seems like so much to me. <laughs> So the, the reason I brought this up is that people are weirded out by this level of self-confidence that I have. and Absolutely. I, have had, I still am. I have had dozens of people not accuse, but theorize that this is all a front, like this is all a thing I put on to sound cool. Oh, as in that you are pretending that to be confident. Yeah, you, you know that whole spiel that people can do of like the most... I've, I've, I've yeah. On many occasions, I've heard people tell me, like, yeah, you, you seem confident, but I know that the most confident-seeming people are the ones really hiding the deepest insecurities. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, you know yeah. me pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you are, you genuinely, I mean, you definitely have insecurities, but you have, like, an almost critical level, low amount of shame. Yeah, that's nothing to do with the self-confidence we're talking about. Yeah, but if you had a blood test for it, like the doctor would be like, wow, we need to do something about this low-level <laughs> shame that's happening here. That's not connected to the self-confidence of ambition, though. I think it is. How come? I mean, you know, you know your best. You know yourself the best, but you did say that I know you pretty well. I just don't understand the link between these concepts generally. 
I think you can be a really non-ashamed person without any ambition. I think you can be a deeply shameful person with a lot of ambition. Yeah, I know, but confidence. I think you can be a really shameful person with insane aspirations and confident that you're going to fulfill them. Shame for me relates more to privacy. Huh. I just think that they're linked in some way. Or at least the fact that you talk about your ambition so openly is definitely linked to your lack of shame. That's that's linked to lack of shame. That has nothing to do with my the height of my ambitions. True. So, the reason I got onto this is that I have this level of ambition that people genuinely refuse to believe. Um, my, like, my aspiration that I don't think I'll achieve but I'm constantly aiming for is to hit Disney level. Yes. Uh, I used to want to be Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. I gave up on that. We talked about that in a previous podcast. But now I'm like... I want to hit the level of Disney. I think Disney was a genius creative and a genius businessman, and I want to hit that level of success. So, wait on. Do you think that Disney is easier than Steve Jobs or Elon Musk? Yes. What happens if you are 50 or when you are 50 and you are not Disney? Uh, I I don't understand the question. (laughs) Are you joking? What happens? I mean, like, like, do you feel like you'll be disappointed? On some level, I'm disappointed now. And that, that that's how we got into this, which is that I've had this level of confidence since I was a teenager. Yeah. And I watched all of the, like, youngest XYZ rocket past me and for a long time was, like, deeply saddened by that. Oh, really? Hugely disappointed by the fact that I wasn't... Like, I used to... As, as a, as Wait a on, young who, teen, as a who kid, made it? And you were like, what? Well, it was, it was not that someone else made it. It was I was looking at records to beat and I will never beat any of those records. Oh, okay. And so when I was a teen or a kid, I used to look at child actors with this real envy of, like, they got this huge leg up so that, like, when they hit my age, they were able to start this thing from a level of fame and connections and success. I, To a certain extent, I have that with Americans. Like, I just want to be in L.A. making films, and I cannot be because I'm not, I was not born in the right country. Yeah. And I spent so many years trying to take advantage of the fact that I was born in Australia and to try to do it there before realizing that that was... Not impossible, but certainly not a sensible way of trying to approach the thing. So now I'm just trying to get to America so I can do stuff there. And so, for yeah, for many years, I used to have this envy of child actors. Nowadays, I look back at my aspirations and I am so glad, so glad that I never got any kind of level of success before now. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if I was as confident, but I feel the same way, particularly when I watch the Amy Winehouse documentary called Amy. Uh, which is tragic. Like, don't watch it if you're having a bad day. It's tragic. Yeah. But, yeah, just being like, oh, actually, that's, like, really bad for people and I genuinely care about and would like to have... would like to have a nice life. Not, like, a ridiculous... You know, I'd just like to... I'd like to... I would I would like to enjoy my life. Be happy? <laughs> yeah. I, I would like... I would like to be content and so the reason I didn't succeed is because I was not good enough. And that's totally fine. I am getting better. But just say by some miracle I'd been good enough at the age of 18. Oh, not even 18. But like when we first dated, think about the person I was then and think about the person I am now. I'd rather not think about that person. <laughs> like what, what, does that, what, what does that mean to you genuinely? What, what, what are the differences between me then and me now? It's interesting, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, that on this podcast, there's moments, I think we're pretty understanding of each other, but there's moments where, and I think it goes both ways, but we both see each other as the same person that we dated. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make sense? Like, I think you are like, wow, you have changed a lot, but there's definitely stuff where you're like, oh yeah, you're like this, and I'm like, no, 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 I am not like that anymore. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, you have this like freeze frame of what that person was like. I think I have that more so with you. Maybe because we had a year off and now we live in different countries? No, I I don't know. Do you feel like you've changed the same amount as I've changed? I don't know how much... Like, that's a nonsense question. It's like saying... <laughs> it is a nonsense question. Are, do you reckon there are as many undiscovered species here in the place you haven't been as here in the place you haven't been? Like, <laughs> I, I, I need numbers to work from. I can't... You're asking... Yeah, that, that's a very silly question. Okay, so in my mind, you still have the same... Like, you still have the same level of self-confidence, the same level of drive. I've got a lot more focus these days. That's something that's hugely changed. Uh, mostly because of that Wait But Why post. Like, genuinely, that's why I say it changed my life so much, because that revolutionised the way that I focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I mean, I always thought you had a lot of... I, I always thought that you were, like, 
the most dedicated, hardworking person I'd ever seen. Until I found some other dedicated, hardworking people. And then I was like, huh, not that guy. No, but I was like always really impressed by how well you managed to start things on your own and just do them, just make them happen. And now people actually say that about me and I don't Slowly properly turning identif- into me. <laughs> I don't properly identify it. I don't probably identify that with myself, uh, maybe because I've just seen you do it up close for a long time. So for me, like the level of empathy I have now compared to the level of empathy I had when we started dating. I was going to say that. That was the one thing like, yeah, I think you were I asked you, you didn't say anything. <laughs> That's where I was getting to. That was going to be, you know, the, the end bit. Like 40 minutes later. Yeah. I was going to tell you after we stopped recording. <laughs> So my question was, what are the fucking differences? And you went on about unrelated things. So what are the well, fucking differences? Well, I went on about all the things that are the same. That is Which the, is oh, related oh, to the question you <laughs> You're the worst uh, person who ever existed. I, yeah, I think that you're more understanding. You get in fights less on the internet, which I think some people might be surprised by that, but you get in less fights. You're less concerned with being right, which I think some people might also find surprising, but you are less concerned, I think. Way less concerned, yeah. I used to fixate on it. I used to get obsessive about things being correct or incorrect. Yes, yes. And, like, the frustrating conversations that we've had on this podcast, I think, are... The remnants? (laughs) The remnants of... But I think a lot of people have experiences of you like that. Where they're like, he's just put me in a logic puzzle and I hate him, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and so this idea yeah. of me becoming successful or famous or whatever, like before we started dating or even most of while we were dating. Oh, you would have been awful. Yeah, it would have been the absolute worst. I would have been getting in fights all the time. I would A have... megalomaniac version of that person is not someone I want to know. And like even stuff like our polysplosions, which we just spent a lot of time talking about. Like, imagine that while being a public figure. Oh, there would be so much ego. And, and, well, the other thing is that I compulsively talk about stuff all the time. And one of the reasons this podcast works and one of the reasons those stories, I think, were interesting is because I had the distance from them to see what really happened. But while you're in the middle of one of those situations, you do not have that distance. You cannot assess things more objectively. And so... I mean, even like straight after we broke up, the stories I used to not tell about you publicly, but the way I used to think about you is not really a reflection of exactly what happened. It was a reflection of how I felt and that then the facts twisted around that. (laughs) This is like that time that, and we've got a previous episode. It's one of the very first few of me telling a a random bank teller at an Australian bank about how how much of an awful person you are. (laughs) And so, like, imagine doing that publicly. It's just like, I see people doing it, and I'm just like, ah, it's so messy. I actually think about that more nowadays, because you don't get it quite so much, but um, pretty regularly I get people on the street, like, saying hello, reasonably regularly. And it makes me, um, it's it's lovely, and I love it when people do that. But it also makes me a bit self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me really conscious of where I am and who I'm with and what I'm wearing and what people could, whether people, mostly, is someone going to judge me badly if they saw me right now? Um, yeah. So this this tangent about me was actually meant to be a very small tangent. Uh, I got distracted because I was talking about me, the best subject in the world. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but like, that was me when I first started dating you. You go back five years before that, you go five back five years before that, like oh. all those stages, I was a success. And I just, I have become a better person. I like myself now. I've always liked myself. I look back at my previous versions of myself and I'm like, that, ugh, that dude, what the fuck? And to a lesser extent with you though, I think that is also the case. I have as much confidence that you will be famous as I do that I will be famous. Huh. Not at the same scale, but definitely, you know, famous. Ah! <laughs> well, I, I, I think just because we want different things. Like, you don't want to run a corporation. You are correct. I do not want to do that. So, wait on how famous will I be? I think you will be as successful as I will be, which does not equal the same level of fame because you don't want the same things. Huh. Just like if, what, if I want one of my friends to be as successful as they want, that doesn't necessarily lead to fame for them. That could be like working a nice paying job and then going home for their family every day. 
So wait on, what do you, like, how successful do you think that I will be? I think you are the next Amanda Palmer, definitely. Huh. Isn't that interesting? You know, I've actually had people call me that... It's that classic thing of if you were trying to be the next Amanda Palmer, you wouldn't be. You have to be the first Honor Eastley. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean... And so I think you are going to be on an Eastley level of success. <laughs> but, like, the closest equivalent we have nowadays is Amanda Palmer. I don't think that... Yeah, I don't think... I don't think that that's going to happen. But you don't believe yourself nearly as much as I believe in you. That is true. And so the reason I went on this whole massive fucking tangent... About you. About me. Is to say that, like, it's really good that this stuff is happening now because you're in a really good place. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm way less of an awful person. Not to say that I'm not an awful person, but... I, I know you have mixed feelings about your diagnosis, but I think your diagnosis is a big turning point in you learning a lot of skills and management stuff. Yeah, so, so I, like, I think I've gotten heaps out of the programs that I've done. You know, shit's complicated. I think there's good and bad things about them. But for me, like, part of it is also, like, part of it is skills, part of it is growing up, and... That's why I'm like, oh man, like so many times while I was doing the year-long um, dialectical behavior therapy program that I did, which was really intense, so many people had the same sentiment, which was, these are skills that are helpful for literally everybody. I don't want to get into that argument for a third time. We're not going to get into that argument again. I'm more just like, I remember doing it and my partner... I'd come home and tell him like what I had been learning and stuff. And he was like, damn it, you're going to be like, you're, you are gaining superhuman abilities, <laughs> which I really liked. Cause he wasn't like, Oh, you're getting the abilities to be a normal person. He was like, you are just going to be like this emotionally, um, socially sort of just really capable to the point of it being a, a tangible skill person, which I'm not saying that that's definitely what's happened, but I definitely feel like all of those skills are really helpful. And I, like, I do feel like, the, like I do wish that they could just like download that into people. Yeah. Because I think all those skills are really helpful for everyone. And so, man, this, this podcast went off on, so I had, I had questions I was going to ask you this podcast because I wanted to hear your answer, but uh, we've gone on a billion tangents instead. Do you want to ask me and then I'll answer them really quickly? Okay. Why, now that you have this income, why are you not quitting your job to do creative stuff full time? Oh, this is an interesting question. Uh, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to talk about it publicly. Basically, I don't know what I'm doing right now because I was not prepared for this to happen, pretty much. <laughs> At the moment, I have, like, like I said before, my August is ridiculous. You said that in the warm-up. <laughs> oh, I said in the warm-up that my August is um, really, 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 really busy. Um, and I'm slightly terrified about it. Because uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to uh, respond to all of these new responsibilities, but I'm sure I'll find a way. But yeah, I suppose the basic answer is I, I, I just I don't know what I'm doing. But tomorrow I'm doing a, as part of the other podcast that I'm making, Starving Artist. My friend, who's a really great strategist, and by strategist I mean like in terms of life and art and business and all of it together. Uh, who I really admire for her ability to manage and think about and make goals for herself and all that kind of stuff. She's going to sit down with me and we're going to record a conversation where she's going to help me make some kind of a plan, which is um, I'm terrified about recording because uh, I just, you know. It's vulnerable. I ask everyone else to talk about money, but I still find it really hard. <laughs> Uh, a reason that you didn't say, but I think it will probably come up in your conversation tomorrow, is you don't know if this is going to sustain. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. I don't want to just leave everything because, I don't know, I might be really shit at this and everyone leaves me. Please don't, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, was the main, that was the main question I wanted to explore. Uh, Do you think those are fair reasons? I feel like that's pretty... Yeah, I think, that's, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense not to quit your job. Um, I made $87,000 on Kickstarter and made sure to keep on working because I might never succeed on Kickstarter again. I might have flop after flop after this. Uh, if I'd used some of that money to pay myself and then shipping costs had tripled, I would be fucked. <laughs> like, totally uh, screwed. There's an author called Holly Lyle, L-I-S-L-E, and she has a lot of really interesting posts about being a full-time author and how to make money from that kind of stuff. And I remember reading those 10 years ago now. 
and she she used to be a nurse before she was a writer, and she said that she was she was earning a full time income from writing for two years straight before she quit being a nurse. Wow. And that is a very sensible way of doing it. That is a long time. It's like really hard to fault that. <laughs> But she wanted to make sure that she didn't quit being a nurse and then run out. Like she had a husband and kids and she wanted to make sure that she didn't quit being a nurse and then run out of money. Uh, I did the exact opposite, which is I quit my job and then was like, now let's try to make money creatively. You supported me for six months while I did that. Also, you didn't have like uh, kids and stuff. Yes. I I don't regret that at all. But uh, I've always really enjoyed that approach of like, do the really, 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 really sensible thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. And so the fact that you are doing the sensible thing, I think is sensible and it's hard to disprove that. It's um, interesting, I didn't really think about the fact that now um, people are invested and involved in that aspect of my life. Does that make sense? In the financial aspect of my life and that I was just like, oh my God, people are going to have opinions. (laughs) Which is the same as this podcast, right? Like when when we started... Yeah, yeah. We put our we put our life out and people were like, well, I have thoughts on your life. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, yeah. One thing I will say is that the Patreon success has actually seriously and genuinely made this podcast sustainable. Like, yeah, we've been worried for a few months, we've mentioned a few times, that we just can't keep on going because of how much time and effort this takes. And now that you have income as a result of this podcast, because I think a lot of your backers have found you through this podcast or have supported you because of this podcast, it really helps justify the insane amount of time we spend on this. Yeah, 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 (laughs) totally. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's that was really exciting to be like, oh my god, we can keep doing this thing. Yeah. Because you had said, um, at the end of this year, I'm not going to edit this podcast anymore. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh shit. What are we going to do? Yeah, so it's really good. I feel awkward talking about it. Nah, it's good. just really good. good. It's Another really dollar good. for the pot. <laughs> Shut up. It's just really good and I just like absolutely not what I expected. I didn't expect to be anywhere near this for like six months or something. It's been, yeah, it's been amazing to watch. And I don't know if you know, but a week is a lot less than six months. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope it'll grow from here. I don't imagine it'll shrink. Hopefully it'll grow. Um, When this podcast comes out, if it's at less than $750, you know that it has shrunk. (laughs) Well, you know, when my mom stops backing me for $700 a month, then it will maybe go down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm super, I'm super proud of you. I think that I have made a lot of stuff in my life. I've made so much stuff. Like I've written well over 3 million words and put them on the internet. And I have, I've done so much stuff. And the three things I've been successful at are writing erotica, launching Scuttle and this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Those, those are the only three real successes I count as ever having happened. Because those are the only three things that people have cared about, other than me and my brother and sister. Did you notice that all three of them are directly reliant on me? I was writing erotica well before I met you. <laughs> it was a joke. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a very good one, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Scuttle uh, had nothing to do with you either. <laughs> I know, that's what I meant. I was like, did you realise that good I was joke, the SK. key player in all of those things? Now that you're Absolutely. editing the podcast, you can choose whether to keep that in or not. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take out all of my bad chips. <laughs> So the podcast is going to be a 10 minute show from now on. (laughs) Scuttle made me go like all the stuff I've been working on, like all the shit I've made and tried to improve from and tried and tried and tried. Scuttle was the first thing where I was like, it has worked. (laughs) Like my attempts at self-improvement over the last 15 years of creative work have brought me to a stage where people care about the stuff I'm doing. That's what I mean about that thing of being like, oh, this is like... This is an approval of the person that I have become or and am trying to become, not just... It's, yeah, it's not just about money. Startup is a great podcast about starting a company. It's the podcast about launching Gimlet Media, which is the HBO of podcasts. All of their podcasts are incredible. Check them out. And the bit that really stuck with me after listening is the episode where they're trying to negotiate how much of the company that they'll own. And they realize that so much of business is about feelings. <laughs> So much of business is just about feelings. And you think it's about money and you think it's about, you know, objective success, but a lot of those negotiations are about how it makes you feel. And this is the same thing. Like getting $87,000 on Scuttle was not nice only because of the money, but because of the way it feels. 
you feel like you've done something right. $750 a month on Patreon is... You're not saying that, like, money equals love, but you can feel the love in a way that you... Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's... You know, that money is how most... In most of the world, we show that someone is valuable. Really? So, like, you you might argue that a successful movie... Oh, fuck you. (laughs) This goes back to... This is the first argument that Peter and I ever had years ago about what is success, and Peter was arguing that success is financial, and I was arguing that, no, art house movies are the best kinds of movies. They're the most successful. Uh, My definition of success has definitely changed and become more nuanced since then. But, yeah... How we do value people through money. It is another step in the... Peter Wood direction. Ongoing journey of SJ becoming Peter. Uh, So yeah, I'm I'm really proud of you. I think you've done a great thing and I'm super impressed. Like, it's been really cool. I'm excited to see what comes out of the Patreon and what you do next. Impressed like how? I am impressed. Like, what are you impressed at? I'm impressed by the numbers. The numbers are really impressive. I am impressed that you did it. Instead of not doing it. Instead of not doing it. Like, you've been not doing it for... I'm impressed that you took this tangible step towards believing in your own future, which is something you really struggle with. That is very true. And that is particularly impressive to me because of the years in which I did the same thing. I would move away from the direction I should be going or the direction I wanted to be going. And also the years that you were trying to be like, just do the thing, SJ. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And I'd the be whole like, time we were together, yeah, I was I'll like, do- hey, why don't you aim for success? And you're like, oh. <laughs> I could play this really great iPad game that I just found for seven <laughs> hours. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I feel, like you've, I, don't know, I feel like you've done a good thing that you should be proud of. Thanks. Thank you. Now... Anyway, we have an outro. From Andy Aronson. This is actually the second outro he sent us. Oh, cool. He's been on the podcast before. He's a recurring guest now. (laughs) He's our first recurring guest. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you should subscribe to it on iTunes and you should leave a review and tell your friends all about it. I also highly recommend that you jump into the conversation on SJ's Facebook page and you follow both these cool cats on Twitter. Now, one of my very favorite quotes from Hillel, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm for myself alone, what am I? And if not now, when? Uh, (laughs) Andy's a champion. And I liked that he put in to talk about it on Facebook because it's convenient that we don't have to say that. But no, because Andy, (laughs) Andy talks a lot to us on Facebook and it's really lovely to get people's thoughts online and then to discuss what we talk about here. It's true. That's all from us, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.